Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind. Joining me once again is the super awesome Ralph, my best friend in the world. And today we're going to talk some astronomy, things about space that uh, we both love. So, uh, Ralph, how you been doing since I last saw you the other day? <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm actually doing pretty well. I'm trying to fathom spaghettization. Spaghettiization? If that's what it's called. Spaghettification? Yes. <laughs> wow, I cannot talk. Yeah. That's the word. <laughs> okay. So, why don't, since you're the guest, mm -hmm. I will let you talk about what you want to talk about first. And then I'll go to my topic. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate mm -hmm. you. Um, it's wonderful to be here. Um, I got to thinking... There's a number of things that I really like about space. Just the fact that we could ever be in space in the first place is an amazing feat in itself. Trust me, it's totally awesome. I know I'll never actually be there. However, I would be more than happy to go there if the opportunity ever arose. One of my favorite mysteries of space, you could say, are black holes. Mm -hmm. And if you're asking, well, what is a black hole? Black hole is basically just a point of gravitational attraction that is so strong that nothing can escape it not even mm -hmm. light right just thinking of something that strong that could actually pull you into it and you'd never escape is pretty far out there if you know what i mean kind of mind-blowing exactly exactly if you noticed earlier i mentioned something about spaghettification mm -hmm. um i got to doing a little bit of um black hole and supernova research and I saw, found the question of what happens if a person's pulled into or falls into a black hole. Mm -hmm. Well, the black hole's pull of gravity is strongest at its center, and then it gets weaker and weaker as it goes further out. However, mm -hmm. once you're caught in it, you're never getting out. There's just no way that you can ever um, escape from it. And with it being stronger in the center, whatever point of your body is closest to that center is going to get pulled first. Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking there's a possibility you might survive, I can almost guarantee you it's not going to happen. Because what ends up happening is it basically just stretches your body stretches your body into a little spaghetti string and pulls it right on through. Well, at least I'd be taller and thinner. Yes. <laughs> and dead, but you know. <laughs> yes. Give or take. <laughs> Which brings up the question, and I'd didn't research this, but it actually made me think about it. What would happen to your soul? Is that an actual physical entity? And would it survive a black hole? I've never contemplated that. It's stuff that I like to think about. And for usings of an ADD mind, sometimes I wonder if I'm kind of there too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you very well could. I mean, hey, we're yeah. old enough that you, if you had it as a kid, you wouldn't have been diagnosed more than likely. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Of course, that was not something they were looking for when we were children. Right. I just, uh, well, when I was diagnosed, it wasn't even called ADD. It was just, I was a hyperactive kid that was in ah. and I think because I was so hyperactive, that's probably what got it on the radar for me. <laughs> you know, I gotcha. <laughs> but, but yeah, they weren't exactly looking for that. Yeah, there's so much that we can go into in relation to black holes. Um, just the simple fact that light is pulled in. And you would think, how in the world can you pull a beam of light into a black hole? Well, a black hole, or I mean, light in itself actually has substance. Right. So it's basically a form of matter. And even though it's something that you can see through and something that you can walk through, it's kind of like air. It's there, and you can see it's there. But you don't really contemplate it there. Right. I mean, it's like one of those things that you just take for granted and you just live your life. But basically anything and everything that could possibly exist gets pulled in. Oh, yeah. And I mean, think about it. Black hole being formed mainly from stars that go through a supernova event. And the star has to have a, a vast amount of mass in order to do it. Um, yeah. It is said that our star, our sun, doesn't actually have enough mass to become a black hole to nope. actually go to supernova um in contrast um there's been talks of jupiter possibly being able to become a star however it would have to be a lot more mass added to the gas giant before it's uh, mm. before it became that way and even if it were a star no it wouldn't become a black hole just for the simple fact that our galaxy is just too small yeah it would take a lot more but well, um, i mean there is the supermassive black hole at the center of our particular galaxy Ah, uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, no, I mean, it takes a it takes a pretty large star to have the I don't know mass, the, whatever you want to call it, to turn into a black hole. Mm-hmm. Our sun is eventually just gonna fizzle out to a red giant, then it will sort of shrink, and then it'll become like a white whatever's left. I think will be a white dwarf. Yeah, a dwarf star. And by then, of course, the either the human race will have moved on to other galaxies, or it will be gone. Yeah, um, we definitely need to hope that we have developed a, a better system of star travel or whatever if we want to uh, avoid the a death of our particular star but inner intergalactic travel would be pretty mm-hmm. cool you definitely need a, a what is that a, a like an archetype situation on a ship a generational starship wow but yeah black holes are cool well figuratively speaking not, i don't know the temperature of a black hole <laughs> well it said they're cool, but actually, a um, little bit of research on that. Mm-hmm. Um, deep on the inside, they're incredibly cold. It's basically just like the vast emptiness of space. Right. It's like sub-sub-cold. It's like below Kelvin-type cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, on the very outside of a black hole, it's mm-hmm. still incredibly hot. Like, apparently, there's remnants of whatever star that uh, created in the first place mm-hmm. still has, I guess, a flame effect on the outside. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, they're literally cool. They're so cold, you're frozen. But wow, of course, it turned into spaghetti. Yeah, of course, you're turned into spaghetti before you're frozen, and then you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your spaghetti I want to definitely don't want to get too close to a, a black hole. Mm-hmm. That will uh, definitely ruin your day, your week, your month, and even your year. Sorry, went to a friend's reference. But yeah, no, that's no, fine. That's fine. You definitely. It's- do not want to be in a black hole type situation. Science fiction has it wrong. They always, well, what if we do this? It'll collapse the black hole and yada, yada, yada. But mm-hmm. 
And what if we can get on the other side? And what if it's a negative universe and all this other stuff? No. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it's funny you should mention like days, weeks, months, and years. Because um, a black hole can actually stretch time. And even at uh, at the center, supposedly, um, can stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because time moves differently based upon gravity. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I didn't think there was something that could actually stop time. Well, apparently a black hole can't. Yeah, that's that's cool. I don't know if I would want to stop time or not. There's Ralph, have you seen the uh, really cool documentary? It may have been a Nova special. I'm not sure, but it's by an astrophysicist named Jana Levin, I think is her last name. It, the person you're talking about sounds familiar, but I know I've never seen that documentary. Oh, it it's well worth it. It is really cool, especially if you are already digging black holes. Mm-hmm. That would definitely be something that you would want to uh, check out. Uh, yeah, it's Jana Levin. Now you've got me researching again. <laughs> well, I've got her pulled up here. Let me see if I can find her uh, the name of this documentary. Definitely going to have to watch some of her work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. It, her specials. I think she has a TED Talk, too. If okay. you're into... I mean, yeah, I've seen a few Neil deGrasse Tyson TED. stuff, so I would definitely um, look into this. And yeah, she did have, did have um, Nova PBS Apocalypse um, show mm-hmm. back in January of uh, January tenth, two thousand eighteen. Yeah, that's the that's the one I believe I'm that I'm thinking of. Uh-huh. And then she has a book called Black Hole Blues and other songs from outer space. Oh wow! Yeah, she's a it's a really cool uh, special, and it has some uh, specials called Black Hole Apocalypse. Yeah, hmm, I'm gonna check that out. It has some pretty good graphics and special effects, and oh yeah, really cool. And then of course, what was it? Was it 2018? Did mm-hmm. they released the first picture of the black hole? Mm-hmm. Was it, I think, the black hole at the center of M87? Yeah. I believe. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. Yeah, it was M87. Okay. And the M in the M87 stands for, I believe it's Messier. Oh, wow. Why does that name sound familiar? Yeah, Messier. M-E-S-S-I-E-R. Obviously, uh-huh. reached to 87. And that mm-hmm. means that it's the 87th galaxy that was recorded by Mr. Messier. Nice. I'm telling you, there's a lot of weird crap stuck in this brain of mine. Oh, trust me. It's not just weird. It's fantastic. <laughs> weird and fantastic. Yeah. I mean, think about it. All the stuff that you come up with just in, in a general sense of talking about anything and everything that the can be. I mean, space... Mm-hmm. Yes, Star Trek said it well when they said space, the final frontier. Mm-hmm. But there may be frontiers just beyond that, if you really think about it. Well, yeah. I mean, how do we know that our universe isn't just one of many universes? Mm-hmm. And who knows how a universe sort of sort of gets its mass? Maybe on the other side of a black hole is a whole other universe that yeah, black exactly. hole started. So, yeah, it's cool. Uh, cool times, fun times. Exactly. I don't know if you could ever figure out how to get energy from a black hole that would be kind of cool if you could well i will say it like this if there are any way possible to actually do it and like even use a black hole's gravity as some kind of a slingshot effect Uh it would be an extremely immense amount of energy and it would power whatever is using that energy infinity yeah i can guarantee it's infinity yeah there'd be no need for an electric bill wouldn't there Nope, not at all. <laughs> yep. First of all, we need to make getting off Earth a regular event that we can do and maybe, I don't know, move to 
you know, some neighboring planets before I, I guess we consider going to a black hole. <laughs> yep. Baby steps. Exactly. Definite, baby steps. Yeah, definitely baby steps. Is there any uh, other black hole information you want to throw down on us? Uh, you know, I'll stop there for now. <laughs> okay. There's, more right. that, there's a whole lot more that can be thrown in there, but I'm going to stop at this point because, you know, I could go on forever and we only have, what, maybe an hour at the most? And then you'd never get to speak. And that'd just be unfair. <laughs> well, I mean, if there's something else, you can. Well, I think I'm good. I think right. I'm really good. I appreciate it, though. No, I'm glad you came on and talked about the amazing thing of black holes that make the galaxy go round. Yes. And universes, and all of that fun stuff. So, well, I was going to talk about Jupiter, which is pretty amazing that that bad boy is, is out there doing its thing, being probably the most important planet in the solar system. Mm -hmm. I mean, Earth, obviously, is important because we live here. Yeah. And it's the only it's a given. You know, place with life. But the things that Jupiter does for the solar system is, is pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. And um, for a lot of the information that I'm about to throw down, I got mm -hmm. it from the NASA website, solarsystem.nasa.gov backslash planets backslash overview. Uh, that's where I got most of this information from. Okay. So when it comes to the planets in our solar system, Jupiter is the king. And so it's fitting that he was named after the Roman god Jupiter, which is Zeus in Greek mythology. So, you know, mm -hmm. he's the, the father of the, the gods in the pantheon. Wait a minute. That mm -hmm. does confuse me. Because I thought that Jupiter was the Greek name where Zeus was the Roman name. Nope, nope, nope. It's reversed. Okay, my mistake. No, no, it's all right. It's quite all right. I That's think when, when most people think about Jupiter, sort of mm -hmm. the first thing that comes to mind is the Great Red Spot. Yep. Which is basically kind of like a giant, at this point, 400-year hurricane that's been going on. And the Great Red Spot is cool. It's varied in size. It's generally between two and three sort of Earths could fit inside it, but sometimes it's a little bigger. In the last uh, 20 or 30 years, the red spot's actually been shrinking and its color has changed a bit. Seriously? Yeah. They're not sure why that's happening. Uh, and they think that it'll probably might just be a seasonal thing as Jupiter goes about its orbit. Hmm. So it, it may change and, you know, it, as it goes through its version of seasons and start growing again. Wow. Um, yeah. The, the cool thing is the Great Red Spot isn't even really, in my opinion, one of the cooler features of Jupiter. Would it be the moons? Uh, no. Well, I think it's what Jupiter does for the solar system. Okay. Um, clue me which, in. Yeah. Which I'm going to kind of kind of get into. I'm going to uh, start out, though, minus the sun, obviously, everything else in the solar system comfortably fits inside of Jupiter with plenty of room to spare. In fact, it's twice as massive as everything else. So when I say plenty of room to spare, I mean plenty of room to spare. Wow. And Jupiter is, you ready for this? 748,361,206 miles from the sun or 5.2 astronomical units. And an astronomical unit is 93 million miles from the sun. And the reason it's such an odd number is because 93 million miles is the number 
or is the distance from the Earth to the Sun? So they had made that a unit of measure called an astronomical unit. Hmm. One year on Jupiter is 11.86 Earth years, and okay. it is moving through space at a speed of 29,205 miles per hour. It sounds like it's a lot faster than Earth. It, it's moving along at quite a good clip. It's a equatorial, bleh, equatorial circumference is 272,945 miles around and just sort of... Uh, for comparison, Earth's equatorial circumference is only 24,000, almost 25,000 miles. Wow. So, yeah, I don't think that as a human, we can fully comprehend the scale of how large Jupiter is because we don't have anything to reference something that big to. You, you can't even really reference it the sun. The sun is obviously way, way huger, but it's so far away, you only see it at a certain size. Mm-hmm. So as humans, I don't think we can fully comprehend how large Jupiter is. If you were on a ship going to Jupiter, you would probably notice it quite a ways out there. And mm-hmm. once you got really close, it would just, it would dominate the sky. Oh my. Yeah. And uh, like you said earlier, you mentioned the moons of Jupiter. Jupiter currently, that we know of, unless they discover a few more, has 79 known moons. With Wait, four- say that again? 79 known moons. Holy jeez. Yeah, yeah. That's impressive. And the four largest moons are known as the Galilean moons. Mm -hmm. They were discovered by the astronomer Galileo Galileo, Galilei in 1610 Mm -hmm. using a very early version of a telescope. Oh, wow. Yeah, and those moons are in their order from Jupiter. Uh, The closest is Io followed by mm-hmm. Europa, then Ganymede, and then Callisto. And these moons are actually really kind of cool. Io, which is roughly the size of our moon, maybe I think it's a little bigger, is the most volcanic object in the solar system. Wow. And it's because it's getting squeezed as it goes through its orbit. Jupiter's gravity is so massive on the one side, so it gets pulled towards Jupiter. But then the other moons, when they get within certain positions, their gravity affects Io. So it's kind of like uh, if you had an orange in your hand and you were kind of squeezing it mm-hmm. just a little bit, it, crea- it keeps the center of Io completely molten and it's just always has volcanoes erupting. It's a wow. yellowish <laughs> looking moon. Yeah. It, Io's cool. Go look. If you're listening to this, uh, slap open some Google images and look at Io. Hmm. So before I tell you about Uh, The rest of the Galilean moons, I think we're going to uh, take an ad break. You're listening to the musings of an ADD mind podcast. And we're back. All right. Let's move on to the next moon. After Io is Europa, which is also the size of our moon. I think Europa is actually a little smaller and uh-huh. it is covered with a massive ice layer anywhere. They think anywhere from half a mile to maybe even two miles thick. And then underneath that, they believe is a liquid ocean uh-huh. because of the way Europa has all these cracks and sort of the way it fills in. They believe that there's probably a liquid ocean under there and it's gravity affecting it, causing the cracks. Cause you need like, liquid underneath for that to occur Mm -hmm. and 
it's actually one of the places that they think there could be other life in the solar system that might live in that ocean underneath the ice. And there's an idea where you get like a torpedo shaped thing that the front of it is incredibly hot and you just let it melt its way down to the ocean and then have like a little sub go around. And as it melts its way through, you have some sort of communication cable so that it can send the signals back up to whatever satellite was around it. But Mm -hmm. that's obviously a ways in the future, but there is a probe that's going to be heading that way here in a few years called the Europa Clipper. And it's going to, it's dedicated to Europa and it's going to have uh, equipment to try to see if they can see through the ice, so to speak, Hmm. which is cool. I'm looking forward to that. And then after Europa is Ganymede, and Ganymede is the largest moon in the solar system. Mm-hmm. It, it's so large that A, it's bigger than the planet Mercury. So B, if it orbited the sun and not Jupiter, it would be considered a planet in its own right. It's that big. It's, it's closer to Mars size than Mercury size. Wow. Which is, yeah, which is really cool. And they think there's also quite a bit of ice on Ganymede. And then the last moon is Callisto, which is Jupiter's second largest moon and the third largest moon in our solar system. If anyone's wondering, the second largest moon is Titan, which orbits Saturn. And Callisto is the most heavily cratered object in the solar system. That explains all the white spots on Callisto. Yeah. And when Voyager 1 flew by Jupiter, scientists discovered that Jupiter, like Saturn, has a ring system. But instead of being white and bright... Like Saturn's really sort of made up of more like gray material that's dirty and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's probably not getting replenished the way Saturn's uh, ring system is, because there are certain uh-huh. moons that keep sort of the ring system growing or staying on Saturn. Anyway, we're not talking about Saturn. Right. The composition of Jupiter is mostly hydrogen and helium. There are obviously uh-huh. other gases in there. And the deeper into jupiter you go the pressure and temperature increase like a ton Mm -hmm. i mean think about the pressure at the bottom of the ocean it that doesn't even touch what it does there the pressure is so deep or so uh strong that hydrogen gas compresses to a liquid and Mm -hmm. then they also believe that if you go far enough down into the core that it actually is compressed into like a molten hydrogen metal oh wow yeah so um, let's see. So anyway, there, you know, that's just sort of speculation since you can't really go to the center of Jupiter. Exactly. But they believe that it could be up to 90,000 degrees Fahrenheit at the center of Jupiter. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just so. So dense and so hot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the, uh, everybody knows that sort of the bands on Jupiter, um, they're called belts and zones. Mm-hmm. They rotate around Jupiter in different directions. Ah. Yeah. And then another cool thing about Jupiter is its magnetosphere. No, we have one on Earth, which is good because it protects us from the sun. Well, the one on Jupiter is insanely powerful. It extends um, 600,000 to 2 million miles away from Jupiter. And that's just facing the sun. On the back, it sort of tapers and it actually extends back 600 million miles behind Jupiter, which actually means that it goes further out than Saturn's orbit. So there are times when Saturn is probably going through Jupiter's magnetosphere. Wow. And that probably adversely affects the orbits. Uh, 
as I'm about to tell you here in a minute, Jupiter's orbit affects everything else in the solar system. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, but because of the uh, magnetosphere and everything, Jupiter has a massive, massive radiation belt that surrounds it in any spacecraft that goes into orbit around Jupiter. They don't actually do circular orbits like earth satellites. They do, mm-hmm. um, elliptical, you know, more egg shaped because they have to have right. a portion of their orbit where they're outside of the radiation zone because mm-hmm. the radiation is so powerful. It will start to break down all of the circuits and everything of the satellite. And that's in, even when it's shielded for it. So it has to, um, do a long elliptical orbit. Mm-hmm. And so the Europa Clipper that I mentioned earlier, Europa is smack dab in the middle of that radiation belt. So it's going to have to be heavily, heavily shielded to withstand being in orbit around Europa because of all the radiation. Yep. So I guess since you mentioned it, um, I will talk about how Jupiter has affected the solar system, the arrangement of the planets, Mm -hmm. why we have less, why we have the number of planets we have. They believe there used to be more uh, just based on solar system formation and seeing solar systems you know, models and everything. So basically they have these giant supercomputers where you program in certain things of the solar system so they can make it solar system starts this way. It has this many things. And if you do that, say a thousand times and 900 of them, and you punch in sort of different factors, but 900 out of those a thousand, you end up with the same result and you're probably onto something. Mm -hmm. And so they use uh, these supercomputers on these models And this is how we end up with our current solar system. It happens quite like the highest number of percentage of time in the model. So that's why they believe this is what happened. And then with extrasolar solar systems, most Jupiter-sized planets are very, very close to their star. So they know that the planets move and shift because a Jupiter-sized planet can't form close to a star because the star gets all of the stuff for a gas giant. It has to be further out in Mm -hmm. the solar system when it forms. So as everyone knows, well, maybe not. The order of the solar system is Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars. Well, hang on. Let me start. They think initially the order of the planets went like this. Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars. And there was another almost Mars-sized planet that shared an orbit with Earth. Mm -hmm. And then after Mars, um, now is the asteroid belt. But there was another large uh, terrestrial planet, um, possibly bigger than Earth. Because a lot of solar systems have a planet that's like five to six times or mass of Earth. And obviously, we don't have one. So they think there was that other large terrestrial planet uh, beyond Mars. And I'll tell you why they think it was beyond Mars here in a second. But then after Mars, it wasn't Jupiter-Saturn as it is now. It was actually originally Neptune, Uranus, Saturn, and then Jupiter. And there were probably several other planets that were sort of forming in the early solar system. So Jupiter just started absorbing all the hydrogen and helium, and it became the biggest planet. And then like what has happened in other solar systems, Jupiter starts migrating toward the inner solar system. Mm -hmm. And as it's migrating into the inner solar system, its gravity, as it gets closer to Uranus starts to force Uranus instead of being in its orbit now to go out to where, you know, it starts shifting its orbit as Jupiter's moving in, it makes Uranus move out. So it starts going 
out. And then it does the same thing to Neptune. But as it continued its migration into the inner solar system, it had a different impact on Saturn. The immense gravity of Jupiter caused Saturn to follow it rather than get kicked out uh, to the outskirts of the solar system or even out of the solar system. And so Saturn then ended up uh, trailing Jupiter as Uranus started going out. And then when it got to Neptune, Neptune also started going out. Mm-hmm. And then eventually Neptune and Uranus settled into the orbit that they have now with Neptune being the last planet. And as Neptune was moving out, all of these sort of small Pluto-sized bodies, they started getting kicked out further in the solar system. And then Neptune actually uh, stole what would have been a Pluto-sized planet and made it a moon. Um, It got absorbed into its orbit around Neptune. It actually uh, goes around Neptune in reverse of all the other moons. That's why they think it was a captured dwarf planet. Hmm. So anyway, as Jupiter keeps moving in, when it gets to the position of that other large terrestrial planet, it kicks it out. Ah. And it either, so it either got completely kicked out of the solar system and now it's just out floating around, or it went way out there and it's the current uh, planet nine that they're looking for that they think might be out there due to the orbit of a bunch of uh, smaller than Pluto sized dwarf planets that are out in the uh, Kuiper belt. Mm. And so, In other solar systems, what would have happened is Jupiter would keep going towards the sun and it would throw out all the other planets, except for Saturn. Saturn would have kept following it and then it would have ended up in a super tight orbit around the sun and been called a hot Jupiter and Saturn would have, you know, been right behind it and no, no earth anymore. But they think Saturn, its gravity was Mm -hmm. just enough that it caused Jupiter to pull the brakes. And so instead of continuing going in toward the sun, Saturn then made it change just enough that it went out. And so then Jupiter and Saturn worked at each other to where they moved into their current orbits. So Saturn sort of saved us from Jupiter. (laughs) So at at the beginning of the solar system, Jupiter was a big bully that was kicking everybody's butt, throwing them outside, not letting them be in, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna do what I say. And now, um, Jupiter has become the protector of the inner solar system where Ooh. it was going to be the bully or it was the bully of the inner solar system. Now it protects us. And I'm sure you're wondering, how does Jupiter protect us? Well, it's gravity causes comets and asteroids and other things like that to go and crash into Jupiter and not the inner solar system. And uh, for example, what was it? 1996 when Shoemaker-Levy 9 crashed into Jupiter. It caused massive scars on that. And that was just from a comet. Wow. So uh, a comet of that size, if it hit the Earth, it, it's, a, it's a life at Earth. Yep. And yeah. And Jupiter protects us from all of that, which is, you know, really, really cool. Because initially it was going to destroy the solar system. And now it protects the solar system. And because all of the, uh, it has all the planets in their present position. Mm-hmm. And their stable orbits is because Jupiter has become stable in its orbit around the sun. Okay. And so it went from almost destroying the solar system to protecting the solar system and keeping us inner planets safe from life-destroying comets. There you go. Which is pretty cool. And only a little bit of information left. 
there have been two probes that have traveled to Jupiter and gone into orbit around it. Uh, the first one was Galileo, and it was operational for eight years around Jupiter, and it took it like four years to get to Jupiter, so like a total of 12 years. And then the one, there's one that's currently in orbit around Jupiter, the Juno probe. Now, I can't remember how long Juno is supposed to, to go for, but the Juno probe, mm-hmm. once again, if you have Google, look up Google image some Juno probe uh, pictures of Jupiter. They're, they're amazing. It's the first time we've ever got images of the North Pole of Jupiter, which has been really cool. Totally worth it. Yeah. And then also had seven other probes that have done flybys of it. Okay. Uh, the first were Pioneer 10 and 11, which was 1973 and 1974. Uh, Voyager 1 and 2 in 1979. Huh? Ulysses in 1992. Cassini in 2000. Cassini was heading towards Saturn, and that, that's a whole other podcast on its own. and then New Horizons on its way to Pluto. And sort of the cool thing about Jupiter is because they use it as a gravity boost, as you were talking earlier, like with black holes, if you could use it to boost speed. Well, Mm -hmm. they do that with Jupiter. As a probe goes by, it uses just enough of the gravity of Jupiter to speed it up. So anything in the further solar system, it's like getting free gas, and it's like adding nitrous to to the probe. And because uh-huh. in space, once you reach a speed, you just go at that speed because there's nothing to slow you down. Exactly. You slow yourself down. Yeah. So it's a cool way to add a lot of velocity to your probe, which is, you know, obviously important because yep, solar system's big. I mean, come on, it took what, 10 years, 12 years for New Horizons to get to Pluto. And that bad boy was flying at something like 50,000 miles a, an hour. <laughs> and it still took it that long. But it needed the speed of Jupiter to shave off, I don't know, probably a good year at least. All of those probes, except for Cassini, are actually now way out in the far reaches of the solar system. In fact, uh, the two Voyagers aren't even in the solar system now. They've actually left it. And New Horizons is heading that way. Um, Okay. New Horizons, I believe, is actually going to pass Pioneer 10 and 11 and Ulysses. Uh, It may have already passed Ulysses. New Horizons just hauling balls, but it will never catch up distance-wise to the Voyagers. Right. Yeah. And so... The Voyagers, did they use the slingshot effect with Jupiter? Yes. Yeah. So what happened was Voyager, both Voyager 1 and 2 went to Jupiter and Saturn. Okay. And I believe Voyager 1, maybe it was 2. Anyway, it kept going and just left the solar system. And the other one used the gravity boost from Jupiter and then Saturn to go to Uranus and Neptune. Ah, I can't remember which one it is. It might be Voyager 1 that went to Uranus and Neptune because even though it was Voyager 1, it launched second, if I have that correct. Uh But yeah, Jupiter is important. All of our orbits are pretty stable because Jupiter keeps everyone in line and uh, saves us from asteroids and comets that could come to the inner solar system and wreak havoc and it doesn't even a comet doesn't even need to hit earth in all honestly honesty to destroy all life on earth if a large enough comet hit venus and destroyed venus that all of a sudden there's a gigantic million billion pieces of venus flying through space well they're 
they could spread out and then that could create a ton of meteors and everything hitting earth which could space debris end life yeah all the debris from venus could hit earth ending life on earth mm-hmm. same thing with mars um i don't know if mercury would be as bad because mercury is so close to the sun that the gravity of the sun as everything got smaller might probably head towards the sun probably pull it all in yeah and um yeah it, it, mercury is cooling itself because they think mercury actually is just the uh remnants of what was the core of a much larger mercury like earth has the iron core mm-hmm. um, mercury has an incredible amount of iron in it and they there's a theory that mercury was actually a larger planet and what's left is the iron core and that mercury was in a collision and it stripped away like the top hundred miles or whatever you know thousand miles of mercury and there'd wow. be no evidence of it because it would have all got sucked into the sun due to the sun's gravity but that molten core was left and then because now it's exposed to space it froze and became a planet now yeah and there's a cool i can't remember where it is there's actually a thing you can see the lines on mercury where there's a crater and then the lines go around the rest of the planet from this one crater around is that the one that did it i don't know um is that what happened maybe maybe not but that is a theory as to why it has such uh, high iron content. Mm-hmm. But I just went off on a non-Jupiter related tangent, but well, I guess not because once again, Jupiter protects the inner, all the inner planets from getting hit by something. Mm-hmm. Keeps the asteroid belt sort of stable in its orbit. So yeah, Jupiter went from, I guess, being a young jerky Bully. teenager mm-hmm. who was a problem causer to a nice responsible adult protecting it's smaller planetary siblings. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's why I think Jupiter's pretty damn cool. I would have to agree with you. Yeah. Next, next time you see a picture, you can look at Jupiter and be like, that's a boy. He's safe. Yep. Yeah. Brings so. up a question. Mm-hmm. Um, with as sh- the sheer size of Jupiter, and I can understand it still not being able to be seen, but is there a like a certain time of the year and or a certain point or a certain point in the Earth's orbit where you can actually see Jupiter in the naked sky? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think you can right now. Last year... Go ahead. Yeah, 2020 was the great uh, conjunction where just behind the moon, you could look and you could see Jupiter and you could see Saturn. They were in the same frame of reference. Oh, wow. There was, you know, a gazillion... Well, not a gazillion, but 600,000 miles between the two, you could... You could see them both, but yeah, no, you can, if you know where to look, you can, you can spot it. Okay. There's no really good way for me to <laughs> explain that, you know, audibly over a podcast. No, but, understandably so. Yeah. Something that can be easily found out, you know, via Google and astronomy websites and, and all of that. So yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. It's extremely cool. Yeah. I think so. But astronomy is cool. Yes, it is. Every, I mean, I don't think there are not cool things about astronomy. <laughs> and every time you learn something, you you realize, oh wow, that just brings up a whole new series of questions. Uh-huh. And then it's like, oh, that brings up even more questions. We just answered this, but now that we've answered this, this means that. It's really exactly. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. So that's all I pretty much have on Jupiter. I hope I. I hope if you're listening, I didn't bore you and you made it through <laughs> this long. 
It has been enlightening, sir. Yeah, well, I'm glad you appreciated it, Ralph. Thank you. At the very least, you and I got enjoyment out of this episode. There you go. And hopefully our viewers and or listeners have gotten some kind of educational insight as well as some enjoyment in the musings that we Mm -hmm. have gone through. Yeah, yeah. And uh, next week, I'm going to be talking about the sort of modern commercial space race. Uh, Originally, my son was going to join me, but his work schedule isn't jiving with my recording schedule at the moment. So it's just going to be me going solo, uh, which is fine. Um, So anyway, I guess I'm going to go ahead and sign off for now. Uh, Thank you for listening, everyone. Yeah. Ralph, thank you for coming on. Sure. I appreciate it. Thanks for telling us all about black holes. Yep. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that you will be on again in the future. I'd love to be on. So thanks for having me. Oh, no. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on and being a great friend. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. So anyway, uh, I guess I'm going to end the show how I, how I always do. Uh, Just remember everybody try to live your life in a way that would make Mr. Rogers proud. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button.